1: Hello and welcome back to a new episode of American Muslim Project. I'm Asad But. American Muslim Project, for those of you that are new, is a podcast where we share what Muslims are talking about here in the U.S. over the past week or so. You know, the stories that are important to them, important to us. And we've got a great show for you today. Lots obviously happening in Gaza that we want to update you up about. And President Biden continues to be in hot water with the Arab and Muslim communities. we got some stories about that. We also have an awesome interview with author M.O. Yuxol. She's a children's author with some new holiday-themed themes books that are coming out. And we'll have an update on America's favorite Muslim superhero. But first, the big story of the week, of course. The headline of this past week is the ICJ ruling on Israel's acts of genocide in Gaza. Let's pull up this story from... Al Jazeera, it's a major ruling, basically the court saying Israel has to take action to prevent acts of genocide and provide humanitarian aid to Palestinians. It did not call for an immediate ceasefire, unfortunately. They did not rule either whether genocide has occurred. That's going to take months, if not years, to determine. The ruling called for a bunch of provisional measures, including that Israel must prevent its troops from committing genocidal acts. It also must prevent incitement to commit genocide. Israel also needs to allow for more humanitarian aid to get into Gaza. Uh, Israel also needs to take effective measures to ensure the preservation of evidence related to allegations under the Genocide Convention. And then finally, Israel must report back in a month on these steps. South Africa, who brought the charges against Israel, called the decision a decisive victory. Meanwhile, Israel slammed the ruling. As you can imagine, lots of opinions from the Muslim community. Really, uh, it was all over my social feeds and uh, the stuff that I read. The general consensus from what I saw is that people welcomed the decision and just wish that it went further. In my opinion, uh, you know, anything to stop the violence uh, and bring aid must be done and must be done as soon as possible, and I think the other big question is where is the u s leadership in all of this, and why have they uh how, have they not uh, uh, talked more about stopping uh the violence and bringing more aid into Gaza Meanwhile, up in Canada, lots of controversy on the ruling and the government's reaction to it. Let's pull up this from CTV News. Basically, the Canadian government doesn't agree with the charges of genocide raised against Israel, and they have no intention of holding Israel to decisions that would force an end to the war or the occupation. And as you can imagine, Muslim leaders weren't having any of it. Listen to the National Council of Canadian Muslims say You know that trudeau and the government are unwilling to take any concrete action to stop the conflict
2: right now there's over 200 muslim leaders from across the country from halifax to vancouver that have come to the hill to talk about the issues that we're facing right now we have seen the largest spike in islamophobia in since we've been taking data on it and what we've seen is that the situation overseas has a direct impact on the lives of people here And we've met multiple times with the Prime Minister and his office, and we've explained these realities. And for many people in our community, what we saw with the government's position on the International Criminal Court of Justice, and what seems like an unwillingness to take concrete action to stop this conflict that is not only killing an enormous amount of people overseas, but really negatively impacting our lives here in Canada, there's nothing new that we could say we've said it all before so the question is when do you when do you when does it go when does it go from a conversation where you're trying to find mutually beneficial or, or a, a road forward where you can actually bring concrete results to real tangible problems that all of us in our communities and our families are facing when do we just at what point in time do you realize that you're just no longer being listened to
1: The reaction here in the States isn't that much different, and it's causing a big headache for President Biden stuff we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Uh, But this week, this past week, let's pull this up. Muslim and Arab American leaders in Michigan canceled a meeting with Biden officials last week because of his stance on the war. Basically, Biden's campaign was supposed to meet with 15 or so Arab and Muslim leaders last week to discuss their growing discontent, but that meeting was canceled. Uh, Abid Ayyub, the national executive director of the Arab American Anti-Discrimination Committee said, and I quote here, why does this administration still believe that we're just going to be willing to meet with them with no movement on their part uh, on our demands? And they've been the same demands since August and nothing has changed. End quote. Take a listen to what uh, Dearborn, Michigan's mayor, Abdullah Hamoud, had to say. And it's actually dehumanizing. To send campaign staff to ask us what would it take to earn your support in November when you have an active genocide that's being funded and supported and defended by the current administration. Also in Michigan, a story from WDET that says that many Muslim foster children in the state are in need of homes and mentors. This is just a heartbreaking story. There are only about ten licensed Muslim foster care homes in Michigan and So many Muslim kids end up in non-Muslim homes. The story talks about how one child ended up in foster care, and most of the homes that they went to were not Muslim, and that child was saying that there was no halal food that they had, they weren't able to go to mosque, and that it just wasn't anything like they were used to. The story also talks about how two Muslim licensed foster parents uh, started An association called the Muslim Foster Care Association in 2016, the MFCA, as it's known, works with placement agencies to find Muslim homes, train non-Muslim parents, and with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services staff, it serves more than 200 Muslim foster kids every year. Um, We'll have links in the show notes on that story and how you can help. And meanwhile, we're going to go back to Canada, and this time with an adoption story. This one is a court case that is challenging Canada's ban on adoptions from Muslim countries, something I didn't actually even know was happening. Basically, the federal court is going to hear the case and make a determination. And this case comes more than five years after the federal government promised to review the ban introduced when the conservatives last held office. Many people call the ban discriminatory and say that it puts the burden on families to argue for the validity of their religion. The court will likely hear the case in April. We'll follow that story and share updates with you as we get them. All right, that's it for the headline news. We'll be back after a short break with our interview with children's book author Mindy Yuksel. This is American Muslim Project. Welcome back to American Muslim Project. Really excited to welcome our guest today, M.O. Yuxel, also goes by the name Mindy Yuxel. She is a children's book author who lives in New Jersey. She's written many award-winning books for young readers, including the nonfiction picture books called In My Mosque and One Wish. Mindy has two new books coming out later this year that we are really excited about. One is called Ramadan Kareem, and the other is called Sam- Sammy's special gift. Mindy, welcome to American Muslim Project.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and and I love uh, your podcast, American Muslim Project. Thank you. Uh, So it's a special treat to be here with you today. Amazing. Um, So Ramadan Kareem is uh, an invitation uh, to travel uh, around the world and observe uh, the holy month of Ramadan and how it's observed. Uh, by the different races and cultures uh, in different countries. So we get to travel uh, to places like Turkey and Australia, Korea, Spain, Uzbekistan, and and Palestine. And and we get to experience Ramadan uh, through uh, diverse cultures and traditions.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that obviously I think a lot of Muslims are aware of this, but for our non-Muslim listeners, you know, Ramadan and Eid are celebrated a little bit differently depending on where you are in the world. And I think your book kind of captures that for uh, at least a a young audience. Um, Can you tell me where this idea came from?
3: So this idea as well as the idea for my first book in my mosque uh, came from the need to showcase diversity uh, within uh, Muslim cultures and uh, often were portrayed as a monolith here in, in the West, in America. And I grew up here in America and I, I didn't feel uh, the representation as I, growing up. Uh came here when I was seven years old and uh I don't know. I felt invisible. I didn't feel yeah. like a part of the the culture. And uh, we have, as you know, two main holidays. Yeah. Uh, one is Eid al-Fitr, celebrated after the month of Ramadan, and the other is Eid al-Adha. And we don't have uh, very many books or yeah. children's books about, about these holidays.
1: Yeah, what I love about the least Ramadan Kareem um, is how colorful it is and how many different types of people and body types and ethnicities and skin color you showcase. I'm assuming that was an intentional move on you and your illustrator's part.
3: Yes, yes, it was. And Hatem Ali, the illustrator, uh, he did a fabulous job. And it's just... uh, so so much detail and and labor put into each page and each spread of the book and, and i'm i'm so happy you picked up on that uh so we intentionally made sure that uh there was diversity and not only in uh skin color uh but also by body type and um uh, and we're not only showcasing muslims but but other religions also yeah. um and and so it's uh yeah, yeah, I'm happy you picked up on that.
1: The other thing I picked up on, which I don't know if I'm assuming it was also intentional, is that there's a, a cat on almost every page.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, since it's a picture book, uh, it, it's uh, fun to have the, these details. Uh, yeah. For example, in uh, our book, In My Mosque. Which was also illustrated by Hatem Ali. Uh, we have birds on almost every page. Amazing. And so when I'm doing school presentations, uh, you know, I usually tell, tell the kids, I'll oh, notice if you, you know, see any birds as I'm reading the story to you. In this story in Ramadan Karim, uh, we not only have the cats, but you'll see if you like, look closely, uh, Hatem Ali also included birds again. And then, um, we've also uh, have an extra detail of looking for the the flags of each country that's represented, so we have the interactive element of, okay, let's see if you can find a flag and identify which country this is.
1: That's amazing. What has the reaction been when you go into these schools and 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 read to them and is, is your audience I mean obviously your audience is you know American Muslims but I'm assuming when you go to schools it's it's a general audience as well I'd love to hear you know their reaction
3: yeah so uh my audience is the the general public and i uh, I feel the need to like change the narrative around uh who Muslims are because there's so much misinformation and stereotyping and uh and, and we research shows that children uh as young as three years old can learn racism and and this is why yeah yeah it sort of uh surprised me as well and and how uh picture books and as well as uh, other you know uh visuals and uh, exposure to diverse communities can help uh change that like can help change racism, and and so uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, children are children, and when you're reading to them, they're like, oh, I, you know, I also go to you know a church, or I go I go to a temple, or uh, some other place of worship, and so uh, there's that uh, you know connection, and um, and it's not only. Uh, for children, but also adults. Uh, like adults have asked me, what do you do in a mosque? I've never been in a mosque. And, uh, you know, just, so picture books, uh, the beauty of it is it's written, it's read by an adult to a child. So you're not only, um, uh, it's not only one age group, but we we have uh, two age groups learning at the same time. So adults are learning about uh what what is ramadan how is it celebrated what is a mosque what goes on inside of it how are these holidays uh you know celebrated or observed who are muslims and uh and trying to you know break that stereotype of that uh monolith of who a muslim is
1: yeah i th- i think it's hugely important, and what I really love is the increase in the number of children's books that have come out over the last couple of years. So obviously, you've been a, a part of this, uh, you know, um, this movement. Obviously, and you know, we need a lot more. Um, I guess. Why did you talk a little bit about this? But why did you decide to start writing, and why did you start with children's books?
3: I sort of happened to come upon uh, writing. I, I never like some writers. Uh, you'll hear them say. I always uh, dreamt of becoming an author, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I used to write stories, I used to illustrate, but for me, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, I never imagined writing or, you know, writing books or becoming an author. So that was sort of like a a dream too big where I didn't aspire to it because I thought it was like out of my reach sort of thing after i had my own kids uh my son's preschool teacher invited me to read uh, a picture book about our holiday eid al adha and uh and i was very you know honored that she asked me and i said yes of course i you know i'll be happy to but then when i searched uh for a book uh for that age group for the 4 5 year old age group i couldn't find it wow And, and I was surprised because we have, you know, close to 2 billion Muslims in the world. Right. And, and we only have two holidays, right? We have, uh, and Eid al-Adha is one of the major holidays. Yeah, totally. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, why don't we have this? And, uh, and when the teacher said there's a need because they study different holidays every year, uh, like every year they study. Holidays and uh, so I I ended up writing uh, a story and of course I made my son the main character.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
3: <laughs> and yeah, and uh, that's how I started. I, and then after I read the story to to the teacher, she said, "Well, why don't you get it published? Because we need books like this." That's awesome. And I said, "Oh well, you know." I never thought of that. Let me, let me go do some research. And then I researched more and I said, okay, we ne- there's a huge gap in the marketplace. We need so many stories about uh, Muslim history and culture and scholars and, you know, all the amazing things that we learn about ourselves in our, you know, communities, but uh, we don't see it, like the public schools or the libraries. And uh so yeah, that's how I got started.
1: That that's great. I, I I think a huge shout out also to elementary school teachers who do, you know, make it a point to bring in these different cultures and, and asking parents to participate. I mean, that just that one request has now led you to publish whatever what five books. Um it's it's pretty remarkable. Um
3: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And uh the book that I started writing, uh that started my journey uh writing is sammy's special gift, nice. which comes out in april uh about eid al adha and it, i dedicated uh that book to this preschool teacher oh that is so,
1: that is remarkable that's really amazing
3: yeah so i i agree with you that yeah. teachers are amazing
1: <laughs> mindy i just want to Again, thank you for joining American Muslim Project. I think that what you're doing is hugely important, especially at the age group that you're targeting. Um, and I can't wait to read these stories to my daughter, who's uh, less than one right now. And um, I think as she grows, will really just love the stories and the imagery involved. Would you want to share where people can uh, learn more about you?
3: Sure. Uh, they could go on my website, Uh M-O-U-K-S-E-L dot com. And um, that's where you'll find my books and and how to order, order them.
1: We will also have links uh, in our show notes to that, and we will be promoting them quite a bit during Ramadan on our socials. So, Mindy Yuksel, thank you so much for joining American Muslim Project.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Ramadan Kareem actually comes out today in the U.K. and will be out in the States on February 20th. Sami's special gift will be out on April 10th in the U.S. Definitely recommend you check those out. We'll have links in the show notes to Mindy's books. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a cool fundraiser in the Toronto area for victims in Palestine. This is American Muslim Project. Welcome back to American Muslim Project. Now we're going to focus on some stories from Fawn, our website that promotes Muslim arts and culture. Our first story is out of Hawaii with a new exhibition at Shangri-La. In a remarkable blend of cultures and artistic expression, the Shangri-La Museum of Islamic Art in Honolulu recently opened its doors to the 8x8 Source Exhibition. The annual showcase opened for its fourth year on January 13th, Bringing modern Hawaiian art into the museum, the exhibition features eight visual artists and eight performing artists who have been invited to create and display new works inspired by their encounters with the rich heritage of Shangri-La. The Shangri-La Museum is a museum for learning about the global cultures of Islamic art and design in new and inspiring ways. And now for fans of the MCU, The Marvels is going to be on streaming next week. Starting on February 7th, the movie will be available on Disney+. Plus. It's the follow-up, of course, to Miss Marvel, which came out in 2022. And, of course, it stars Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan, an unapologetically Muslim 16-year-old girl who admires Captain Marvel and struggles to fit in until she gains powers of her own. Looking forward to that for sure. And finally, today we wanted to highlight the Palestine fundraiser comedy show that is taking place this weekend in Ontario, Canada. It'll feature a bunch of performances by comedians such as Sagal Ali, Mo Sitta, A.J. Bate, Thamina, Phil San, Russia, and so many more. The fundraiser is put on by Spaghetti Fish Productions, a creative production company telling diverse stories and amplifying Muslim voices through film and TV. We asked Liba Khan from Spaghetti Fish Productions to share more
4: about the event. We wanted to bring together a community that cares about the same issue, and people have been feeling very overwhelmed and paralyzed by what's happening in Palestine. So we were like, let's bring about some positivity, but in a way that's still productive and mobilizes people. So we're not just like, in our rooms, just doom scrolling the whole day or like going to work, just like depressed because we're surrounded by Zionists. It's like, okay, it's a nice space. Everyone comes together. We all care about the same issue. We're all going to have a laugh, but we're also fundraising so that we help for that issue as well. I think laughter and jokes can be a very effective way of processing difficult times.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: And everyone processes things differently, but I think when it comes to laughter and jokes, it makes it less heavy and more tangible. You're still thinking about the issue, but you're doing it in a way where it's not weighing you down to the point where you can't do anything. And you're like, I I just, I can't, I need to think about something else. I think it's very effective. It's an effective means of drawing people in to the issue and communicating it and processing it. Okay. So Spaghetti Fish Productions, we're a team of Muslim creatives and filmmakers. We pretty much started off by being like, we need better Muslim representation in the animated field because a lot of mainstream animated shows don't have great Muslim representation and and especially for like older children, like younger children, we have some shows, but older children, we don't have anything at all. But once lockdown was over, um, we moved into live action and we've been creating a lot of satirical comedy, like short films and web series and skits. And I guess our main aim is just to like elevate Muslim voices and stories. Like for Muslims, by Muslims on screen and in like live performances now, too. So head to our Instagram, Spaghetti Fish Productions. It's the word spaghetti and the word fish productions. Yeah, no spaces, nothing in between. So, yeah, it's this Friday, uh, 6 p.m. at Studio 89.
1: Proceeds will go towards humanitarian aid for Palestine. We'll have links for you to learn more and to donate. That's going to do it for this episode of American Muslim Project. American Muslim Project is a production of Rafaleon Media. We'd love to know your thoughts. Email us at info at I want to thank our guests, including Mindy Yuxel and Leva Han. Thanks to producer Ari, and thanks to you. Until next time, I'm Masa Butt. Thanks.